Hey guys, welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Psalm 32 and the other in Proverbs chapter three. We're in part two of a series called Come to Me, and if those words sound familiar, they should. It's Jesus's standing invitation to take advantage of his care and his capacity in this life. And the goal of our series is simple. Never let fear or pride limit God's help and relief from coming into our lives. Isn't that a good goal, right? Jesus is standing invitation to offer his care and capacity to come into our lives right now, today, during this time. And just don't let your, your fear or your pride limit God from doing what he wants to do. You see, men are very good at limiting God's help in their lives and help from other people. Why? Because we, we live a lot as guys like icebergs, right? You know what an iceberg is, right? You got, you got the water line and then you have, you can see the tip of the iceberg, but then below the water line is the true substance of the iceberg. And just like that iceberg, people in our lives only see the tip of who we really are. We live seen lives, that's the tip, and we live unseen lives. That's the life below the waterline. Our outward man is the image. Our inner man and thoughts is who we really are, right? And publicly, we, we say a lot, oh, I'm good, I'm okay. But privately, we're walking around with a lot of pressures and unseen struggles. And here's what happens, guys, and, and I know that you already know this, uh, that struggles take a toll on a man uh, when no one knows about them, when they're unshared with people, when they're unprocessed with people, uh, we stay unhelped, right? Unshared, unprocessed, a man stays unhelped. And then the next step in the progression happens. Those struggles now start turning into secrets. And those secrets have a pressure connected to them that we're just walking around with. And when you have challenges and needs that are going unmet in your life, the stuff below the waterline of the iceberg, those challenges and needs are not met by potential sources of help. Why? Because they're remaining in the dark. Remember, unshared, unprocessed, unhelped, right? And every day we live seen and unseen lives, right? Walls start going up, right? Between us and help, between truth versus lies, right? There's a narrative that we're telling, and as we continue to tell it over time, the truth becomes harder to tell, and that, that wall gets higher and higher as time passes. And the wall starts growing between us and people because you can't be intimate with anyone unless there's truth and honesty and transparency, right? And the, the, the taller that those walls uh, get, the harder they are to get back over. And you know what that produces? Isolation and attack by the evil one, where it's like, no, you're too far down this path. You've said the narrative over and over, you're good, you're good, you're good, nothing's going on, nothing's going on. And then that, that isolates you because the pressures 
connected to the struggles are still real. It's just that it's unshared, it's unprocessed, and you're unhelped, right? And into this secret life comes the call of Christ. Come to me, right? Well, what does that mean? Well, it just simply means that Jesus wants to unburden us from those private struggles, from that unseen life that creates so much pressure. He wants to unburden us from having the anxiety connected with a, a public you and a private you, right? Living a seen life of, of images and a private life of unseen struggle. He wants to end, most importantly, your isolation that that creates. But he knows that you won't end that isolation unless you're assured that if you come out with it, right, to him or to people, that there's one critical thing on the other side, and that is love and acceptance. You're not gonna come clean or share what's going on if there's not love and acceptance in the person that you're sharing with. And Jesus is putting himself at the center of that. He says, come to me, because that's what you'll get on the other side. And so I'm gonna share a truth that we really need to take to heart as we move forward in our study today, and it's this. Our connection and conversation with God will never surpass our awareness of the love of God. I'm gonna say that again. Our connection and conversation with God will never surpass our awareness of the love of God. Think about it. Do you have close connections and intimate conversations with people who don't love you? No, of course not, right? You don't go to them, right? Because they may not like you for some reason or another, but now think about the people who really do know you and the people who really do love you. Do you have close connections and intimate conversations with them? Exactly, the opposite is true. And that's where we need to make that connection between our awareness of God's love and the closeness that he wants in our connection and conversation in prayer. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna unpack Jesus's invitation briefly uh, again. Then we're gonna see from God's word, a man in the Bible move from secrets and, and being unprocessed and not sharing and unhelped to coming to God and watch what unfolds, right? And then we're gonna look at four things we bring to God because he loves us so well in faith. So let's go to Jesus' invitation again. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, ready? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we see in Jesus' invitation, just by way of review, we see an invitation, we see an audience, and we see an outcome. The invitation simply is, is come to me. You can go to other sources or keep it to yourself, but I'm inviting you to come to me, right? The audience is the burdened, right? weary, heavy laden, burdened. And if you're on planet Earth right now, the research says that nine out of 10 of us are walking around right now with a burden that we'd love to get resolved. So uh, I know that, that there's, there's fertile soil, right, for this message and for this 
invitation. And then you see the outcome, which is rest and lightness. I want us to say those two words, rest and lightness. Can I ask you a question? When was the last time that you felt light in your spirit? Like, like not heavy, right? See, because in this life, you're gonna have a lot of heavy things go down. Heaviness is, is a part of this life. And otherwise, otherwise, why would Jesus make, make the offer? If he didn't know that his followers and the people who knew him were gonna be experiencing very heavy things. That's why he extends the invitation, all right? So there's a little review of Jesus' invitation. Now let's look at a guy who went from heavy to light, from carrying around this load inside, right? The unseen life to giving it to God and talking to him through prayer. It's in Psalm 32. The, it's the man after God's own heart. It's our good friend, David. And just listen in and watch the transition and watch for what we're talking about here when it comes to our connection to God. He says this, to God. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. And so let's unpack right now what we see in this and let's draw some lessons before we get to our next section, right? What do we see? Number one, we see private pressure. We see private pressure. When David says, when I kept silent, right? He's got pressure inside, it's unprocessed, it's unshared stuff, all right? In this instance, it's sin, right? He has a struggle and it's in his relationship with God. He knows that he did something wrong and now he's walking around, but he's not talking about it. He's not talking about it to people and he's not talking about it to God. And that's creating these negative emotions inside. It's creating a pressure. Men, sin, unconfessed, creates heaviness and pressure in your life, all right? Number two, we see the power drain. Write that down. David says, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. So just imagine a hot and humid day and you're outside and it is just sucking your energy right out of you. It's just, you're sweating, it's pulling all your energy, you're getting tired, you're unhydrated. That's what private pressure does that's unprocessed and unshared with God, is it just drains your spirit. You get that blood-borne fatigue. And I know that there's actually some guys right now that, that have that. 
And, and part of the reason is because you're walking around with private pressure, but it's unprocessed. There's no, there's no way to get it out. And so what's gonna happen when you just contain all of this is a power drain. My strength was sapped. Your physical strength, your emotional strength. But then there's this turn, all right? Let's, let's look at that. Next, we see a prayer valve, all right? David says, all right, when I kept silent, I had the pressure and I had the power drain, but then I acknowledged my sin to you. David starts talking to God. He starts coming clean. He starts getting honest about where he's at. Now, when I say a prayer valve, you know, for all of you construction people and engineers, you know what a valve is, but for, for those of us who don't know, right? A valve is a device for controlling the passage of pressure, whether that's water pressure or air pressure, right? So a prayer valve is a device, the device of prayer that controls the passage of pressure where we're in private pressure and we're experiencing the drain and then we turn on, we flip that valve and now the pressure gets, it's a controlled passage and it's, it's going up to our mighty God and Father. Wow. And that's what we see happening in this passage. Fourth, we see a personal hope. So David experiences going from heavy to light, and all of a sudden, he's stoked. He says, let everybody who's faithful pray to you. It's like he had an experience, and then from the experience, there comes this exhortation like, man, you got to do this, right? And he's, he's talking to God, and he's like, boy, I hope other men of God don't run around and keep everything. I was silent and I had the power drain and, and I had all that pressure, but then I acknowledged my sin to you and then you dealt with it. I, I used that device of prayer and what did it look like? He just acknowledged what was going on on the inside. There are men right now listening to me right now and you're so unprocessed and you're so unshared and you've become uh, under so you've come under so much tension and pressure and can i just tell you just like tension and pressure has to go somewhere if it's not going to god it's going into your body if it's not going into god you're projecting it into your family if it's not going to god you're projecting it in the form of anger right or people are like what's the matter with you what's going on right and so we see david just hope and pray that every faithful man every faithful person, everybody who knows God, that they'll do the same thing, right? That they'll take advantage of this prayer valve, this, this spiritual supernatural device that controls the passage of pressure. And that's why God makes that invitation. And then lastly, we see a promise to practice. Notice David says, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one, listen, who trusts in him. So you have love available on this side. You have pressure and power drain on this side. And then you have this device of prayer, the device through which trust can pull the lever, right? And then that pressure can be released and that care of God and that, that unfailing love of God and that capacity of God can now be accessed, right? And so 
we see this promise to practice for us. It's like, okay, here's the promise. The Lord's unfailing love is going to surround men who trust in him. Right? So what does trust look like? Right? Well, trusting is synonymous with praying. Read the Bible. Any man who's trusting to God, is trusting God, is talking to God through prayer. Right? It's 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 how we do it. It's the energy that we put forth, right, to let someone know that we trust them, we move toward them. And the way we move toward God, men, is we move toward him, not by keeping our mouth shut, but by opening our mouths, by talking to him. That's a real relationship. Talking, listening, receiving feedback, then adjusting. Now we're cooking chili, right? But trusting is synonymous with praying, and praying involves a lot of trusting in your connection and conversation with God. Right now, the Bible says that God's people can live in fearful and prideful self-sufficiency. In other words, not trusting God, right? At their own peril, borrowing their own trouble. Or, right, you can respond to God's invitation to come to him in healthy and humble dependency and intimacy. Right, did you catch that? Here's your choices. Prideful and fearful self-sufficiency and distance, or healthy and humble dependency and intimacy with God, plus, right, all of God's care and capacity and who he is. But you've got to believe in God's unfailing love, that God loves you, that God accepts you, that God knows, that he's wise, that he's able, all of those things. But what's helping us to come into that space and pull that prayer valve, release the pressure, is that God loves us, period. He doesn't love us more, right, when we do great things for him. He doesn't love us less when we do bad things. God's not close to us in our spiritual successes and far from us in our spiritual adversities, right? God's love remains consistent. It's the same. He does not change with our circumstances or our choices. He remains the same. He loves you. And that's what the devil doesn't want you to know. He would rather have you attach God's love and make it conditional versus unconditional. If you're doing good, he loves you a lot. If you're not doing good, he doesn't love you. And don't buy that lie. You're getting ripped off. All right? There are some men who like the guilt and, and who like that idea that they have some, something to do with God's mood. No, you don't. God still loves you. And he wants you to come to him. And he wants you to access that vow. There are some men right now that are listening. I know because there's, there's 12 to 13,000 guys listening to my voice right now. And I know that a lot of you are under a lot of pressure. I want to read that last line. But the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Stop trusting in yourself and start trusting God. Stop keeping silent and start talking to God right now. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 8. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health your very bones will vibrate with life. You see the do's and the don'ts, man of God? 
Well, what do we do? Trust God, listen to God, run to God. Run away from evil. That's some good advice right now. If you're under pressure, all right? If you have a problem that's creating pressure, it's creating negative emotions, it's doing stuff in your headspace, start talking to God. Start trusting God. Start listening to God. Run to God. Don't go for the rip-off solutions to your pressure. Don't go to porn. Don't go to self-medication. Don't go to isolation. Don't go to anger, all right? Not solutions. Those are reactions, all right? Instead, trust God. Now, those are the do's. Trust God, listen to God, run to God, run from evil. What are the don'ts? Don't trust yourself. The text says right there, don't assume that you know it all. But you see, that's where we get into trouble and that's the devil's lie. You don't need God. You can handle this. You're resourceful. You can talk. People are buying your narrative. Why upset the apple cart by talking to God and maybe having to do something out of the context of your faith to address the issue, right? So there's Jesus's invitation. There's an example of a man who's under pressure, his strength is getting drained, and then he pulls the prayer valve. And then after getting light again, he's like, man, I, I want everybody to pray. I think everybody should go to the Lord. Let the faithful pray. That's a word from the Lord, by the way, this morning. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Right? That's God speaking right now. If you know Jesus, you're a faithful one. And God's calling you into a dialogue and conversation and connection with him. Why? Because his unfailing love surrounds the one. Okay, it's specific. His unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. So now let's get to what happens if I do the do's right there, right? If I, if I listen to God and trust God and run to my loving God, right? And that's the key, that's the context. God loves you, you have a loving father, when you know that you have a loving father, what do you bring to him, all right? As you pull the valve, right? And start letting out the pressure inside to him. Number one, you bring your truest self. What do I bring to a loving God? To a loving God, I bring my truest self. Let's look at the scriptures, Psalm 139, verses one through six, and watch somebody do it. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You're, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. So when we, when we look at this idea of God is loving, all right, he's a loving God, he accepts you. His grace and mercy are there for you. His invitation is standing and you come, what do you bring? Your truest self versus who? Your false self, right? Who's that? Oh, that's, that's the guy who has a shtick, you know, that he has an image that he has to keep up. This is what you tell people. This is how you tell people you're doing. This is what you tell them about yourself. It's what you sell to others to fool people. Well, you can fool people, but you cannot 
fool God. How about a little respect, man of God, for who God is? He sees, sees through all of that. He sees through the acting, the words, the narrative, right? He sees the real you. He sees your real thoughts. He sees your, your real anxieties. He sees your, your real negative you know, emotions that are unseen to people. He sees them in HD, right? This is the God who sees you 24-7, so I bring my truest self. This is the God who sees my thoughts in high definition. We bring our truest self. This is the God who's before you, who's with you, and who is ahead of you. All right, defenses are down. God, you see me. Maybe some of you need to just say that right now. I just sense that there's just such conflict out there in so many men's hearts right now. I just know that you just, you gotta open your mouth right now. You gotta say, God, I know you see me. I may be fooling people, but I'm not fooling you, right? God loves you. And because you have a loving God, you can bring your truest self. Second, because we have a loving Father, I bring my greatest fear. I bring my truest self, and I bring my greatest fear. Listen to God through his word. Speak about the connection between his love and your fear. 1 John chapter 4, verses 14 to 18. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have to put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. You know, when the reality is you're going to be okay no matter what with God, no matter what you've done, no matter what mistake you've made, no matter how long you've kept silent, no matter, when the reality is you're going to be okay with God and add this, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's pretty good encouragement for you to take whatever it is that you fear is gonna happen if you start talking to God and to go to him because the reality is everything's gonna be okay because God has that ability because he's God, not man. Some men aren't safe with what you have to talk about. But God certainly is safe because God has that capacity and that care for you to take what, what's going on inside, that fear, that deep, deep fear that you have inside, and he has the capacity to just flip it. And it's because he loves you 
perfect love expels fear. You're going to be okay. And when you're in the presence of someone who cares for you and has capacity to overshadow whatever it is that you fear, then you come. You bring your rawest fear. Now, for guys, we're not really good at putting our finger on fear because we don't admit that we're afraid. But I'll tell you what, where does your energy go in pride? Is it when you lose control of something because you fear? You know, some, something might happen outside of your control and you get all prideful about it. You start competing versus connecting with God and people. You know, wherever you see pride, it's just fear turned inside out. So ask yourself, where does my energy go? Where do I get a lot of pride, defensiveness, right? There's usually some fear behind that pride, all right? Just ask him that, and then whatever that is, fear of the loss of power, fear of the loss of control, fear of the future, you know? Fear that you're gonna get re-hurt again or re-traumatized by something, right? That great fear needs to be brought to your loving Father. Number three, because our Father is loving, we bring our deepest need. And throughout the, the history of Scripture, our loving Father has presented himself as someone who, who wants to, to meet all of our needs, but Pride and fear get in the way of him meeting our needs. And then we turn to other sources, like the prophet Jeremiah, who calls them cisterns, okay, holders of water that can't hold any water, right? We think they hold water, but they're broken. And they, they can't get us the result that we need, but we keep going back to them thinking that we're going to get a different result if we go back to it and... That saddens God. But because we know God is loving, we can bring our truest self, our greatest fear, and our deepest need. Look at the scripture. This is just one example of the prophet Hosea. God is, God is speaking through him, and he's talking about Israel, right? And Ephraim is another name for Israel. And he says, Ephraim, Israel, God's people, God's people are finished with gods that are no gods. Wow, okay. From now on, I'm the one who answers and satisfies him. I am like a luxuriant fruit tree. Everything you need is to be found, where? In me, God says. So you know what we can do is a little exercise. You can circle that word Ephraim, draw a line out to the margin in your downloaded notes, if you have them, and then just write your name. So I would say, Kenny is finished with gods that are not gods. From now on, I'm the one who answers and satisfies Kenny. I'm like a luxuriant fruit tree. Everything Kenny needs is to be found in me. Can I encourage you, man of God? Take Hosea 14.8, write off your downloaded notes, put your name in place of Ephraim and in place of you, and then pray that. Put it on your bathroom window. So every time you, you go to shave every morning, get ready, brush your teeth, boom, there it is. Kenny is finished with gods that are not gods. From now on, I'm the one who answers and satisfies Kenny. Right? Replace the word him with your name. I'm like a luxuriant tree. Everything you need 
Everything Kenny needs is to be found in me. You know, my, my kids, uh, they're, they, they're adulting. They're wonderful millennials. Um, they go to their friends for some stuff, but the biggies in their lives, they come to the luxuriant fruit tree called Dad, right? Because I am intimate with them. I've seen them from when they were this big to when they're that big. And I have care and I have capacity. I love them and they know it. They're friends, different levels of love, care and capacity, but why not go to the source? They bring their deepest needs, their biggest needs to me. And that's how God feels. All you dads know how that is. What if your kid went to the neighbor when they had a need? How would you feel about that? What if they went to somebody else, right? What if they went to some other dad besides you? It's like, what's going on here? You're mine, all right? It's my job. I'm the one who satisfies your every need. God says, come, right? And you look at the scriptures, you look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7, our next, our next set of verses just continues to encourage us to bring our deepest needs to God. Look at what it says. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Man of God, plagued by anxiety and worry, walking around with a seen and unseen life and your unseen life weighs a million pounds on your soul. God's ready to take it off. But you gotta pull that valve and you start, gotta start letting God know your concerns. He already knows them, this isn't for him, but this is for you. This is your part. God's gonna do his part. And can I just say a word about prayer? When we pray, it's not like, you know, we throw it up on the wall and everything that we pray for happens. But also what's true is when we pray, it's not like nothing happens. Every time we pray, something happens. In God's providence and in God's love, he's gonna take those prayers and you coming to him and he's gonna start to move. But God invites us to come, open up the conversation, bring him your truest self, Bring him your greatest fear. Bring him your deepest need. And then look what he says here in Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Right? Now, Paul, in this passage in Philippians 4, you know, he's talking about material provision. I know that. But, you know, that's true outside of the material God can supply all your emotional needs, all your psychological needs, all of your physical, non-material needs as well, right? His resources from his riches for his glory. God wants to glorify himself in your life by you bringing him your truest self, your greatest fear, your deepest need, and then letting him participate with you you do your part, pull the valve, pray, and then God's gonna do his part. Is everything gonna happen exactly as you wanted or exactly as you expected it? Probably not, 
But is nothing gonna happen? No, something's gonna happen. So who wants something to happen right now? I do, that's my prayer. I prayed before this broadcast for every single guy listening to my voice that you would go to God and that you would, would bring him your full self and that you would open up and give him everything that's inside of you, including the next thing that we bring to a loving father. We bring our biggest challenge. We bring our truest self, we bring our greatest fear, we bring our deepest need, and then what do we bring God? We bring our biggest challenge. You know, I don't know what that is for you, but I know you have one. I know some of you are like me. Sometimes you're not even aware of what your biggest challenge is. And you need to go to God and you just need to sit with God. And God needs to reveal to you what your biggest challenge is. Because a lot of times our biggest challenges aren't really the big challenge, you know? We put our biggest challenges as financial or circumstantial, right? And that's valid. Those could be challenges. But you know what your biggest challenge is? Trusting the Lord, obeying the Lord, doing what God says first. You see, God can change your challenge. He can change your circumstances, no problem. But you know, he's more interested in changing you. Because if he changes your if he changes your challenge, if he changes your circumstance, if he overcomes your challenge, right, for you, but you don't change? What good is that? What lesson has been learned? How have you grown and become more like Christ? So God's more interested in your character than your comfort. So you need to start praying, and you know, the big challenge might not really be your circumstances. Your big challenge might be changing your character or changing your spiritual approach or changing your trust in the Lord. That might be the big challenge. Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 121. He says this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now in the Bible, uh, metaphors are used to represent things like a tree is used to represent a life, right? Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but, but his delight will be in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, right? So a life can be a tree, a house can be a life, right? When Jesus is talking about building your house, your life on the rock versus building your life or your house on shifting sand, right? Same is true with mountains. Right? Mountains represent challenges. So that's why this passage is under why we bring our biggest challenge, right? And so what does the psalmist say? I lift up my eyes to the mountains. He's sitting in the Jericho Valley on his way to Zion. The challenge is like 5,000 feet of elevation. He's gotta walk for four or five days. So imagine you're sitting down in a valley and you're looking up at this huge you know, mountain trek just to get to church. And so he says to himself, my eyes look to the mountains. It's just like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that. Then he shifts and he says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. I'm gonna make it. Why? Because my maker is bigger than that mountain. All right, can you say that with me? My maker is bigger than my mountain, right? Christ is bigger than the challenge, right? God is bigger right? Earth is his footstool. He spoke 
and galaxies come into being. So whatever it is that you're facing, God's bigger, all right? Now, look at this passage from Matthew 21. It's Jesus talking about how we need to believe in his person, just like a kid trusts their dad, that he has care and capacity for them, and kids go to their dad. We gotta go to our father, we gotta go to Jesus, we gotta go to God with our great challenge. Look at what Jesus says. The context is Jesus curses a fig tree and uh, the disciples are amazed. They're like, how'd you do that? Here's his response. Jesus was matter of fact, yes, and if you embrace this kingdom life and don't doubt God, you'll not only do minor feats like I did to the fig tree, but also triumph over huge obstacles. This mountain, for instance, you'll tell, go jump in the lake and it will jump. Absolutely everything, ranging from small to large, as you make it a part of your believing prayer, gets included as you lay hold of God. You know, our life in God will never exceed our view of God. If we have a big view of God, creator of the universe, all present, all powerful, like the Bible describes, man, we're gonna have, we're gonna take big risks. Big God, big risk, big reward. Little God, I don't know if he really is capable. I don't really know if he cares. Little capacity, little love, little trust, little results. Can I ask you a question? What is your view of God right now? Is he big enough? to handle your biggest challenge. Is he bigger than your biggest challenge? You see, fellas, when you have a loving father who is who he is, you can bring your truest self, you can bring your greatest fear, you can bring your deepest need, you can bring your, your biggest challenge. And as we close out today, we wanna to talk about how having a loving father calls forth trust. Dads, if you have kids, or if you're a kid who has a dad, right? Their love for you pulls the trust out of you, doesn't it? Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 143, verse eight. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. There it is. Having a loving father that you know is, 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 is thinking about you, who knows you, who knows you better than you know yourself, who, who is with you before this session, with you now in this session, gonna be with you after the session, tomorrow, the next day, the next week, for the rest of your life. When you know that his love is unfailing, it's gonna work out and all things work together for the good of those who love God. You're unstoppable, man. But you gotta stop trusting in yourself. You have to stop letting fear or pride limit you from receiving God's relief and help. That's what God wants to do right now, all right? So I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna give you some instruction. But right now, the most important thing is that we need to go to our loving Father. Loving Father, as sons, we come to you. Forgive us for trusting 
in gods that are not gods, in fathers that are not our Heavenly Father. As if the world cares and its ways care about relieving me of the pressure. It's a lie. You're the only one I need to be trusting in. You're the only one we need. You're our creator. You're our shepherd. You're our vine. You're our potter. Lord, you know us inside and out. You weaved us together in our mother's womb. You placed us on this planet. You called us into being. And so, Father, with my brothers, I just confess my own, my own self-sufficiency and pride and fear. Lord, forgive me for the times when I don't turn to you, I don't accept your invitation. By default or by intention, I reject it. And in doing so, I borrow trouble, I harm myself, the walls get higher, I walk around with pressure, God. But right now, we're gonna pull that valve and we wanna release all pressure right now, Lord. We're gonna pull the Jesus valve right now because you said to do that. Come to me, all who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Lord, we want that rest right now, and so we come and, Lord, we, we bring everything. We bring our truest self, not, not our narrative, because that didn't work with you. You see us plainly. And Lord, we bring the things that we fear, whatever those might be, loss of control, loss of predictability, loss of power, loss of a relationship, God. And we're scrambling, we're trying to do it on our own, and we're gonna stop that and start trusting you, Lord. And we're gonna bring our needs. Lord, we, we, have, we have needs. You tell us to come to you whether it's daily bread or power to overcome temptation or healing in relationships and forgiveness, God. Or maybe it's just our need to come back to you. Maybe we're prodigaling. Maybe we've wandered. But in your eyes, we were never lost. So Lord, we bring you our deep need. And then Lord, that thing, that thing in our lives, that mountain, Lord, you're bigger. We declare in Jesus' name, Lord, that you are bigger than the challenges that we face. And God, we want you to enter into those challenges. We give you those challenges. And we ask you, God, for your unfailing love to make a way. To you, we entrust our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's men said, amen and amen. Wow. All right. So I know that God touched a lot of guys. I know that he touched a lot of men through this, uh, this study in his word he spoke. And if that's you, um, hit me up, Kenny L. at Everyman Ministries. I want to hear what God said, how he's doing, so I can enter into some prayer with you. But here's your, here's your exercise, guys. I want you to find another dude, and I want you, as a part of this study, to, to bring your truest self to that other guy with God right? And I want you to bring a struggle, a fear, a need, or a challenge. And then together as men of God, pray to your loving Father over this issue or this struggle or this fear or this need. And just know that I'm praying with you too. Have a great week.